Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. And so, that brings us up to date, which leads us into a study before the study. We've been doing this the last two weeks um, just because of everything that's been happening. And I just want to remind you all uh, the facts. We want to stick with the facts as we move forward. And sometimes even the facts. Well, who has the facts? Well, you can go to very specific websites, and I believe the facts are based there that are true. Globally, as of this morning, there are, there are at least 300,000 diagnosed cases of the coronavirus. 300,000 globally. There's at least 13,000 related deaths, and each one of those people are precious in God's sight. So in no way, as I share, or I don't believe any Christian shares, do we take this situation lightly, but we do need to remain with the facts and keep looking up to Jesus. According to data compiled by the Center for Systems Science and Engineering at John Hopkins University, More than today, more than 91,000 people have recovered worldwide. So let's use some facts that I I mentioned last week. Again, just to go over them again to keep our perspective proper. In June June 20th, 2019, June 20th, 2019, the CDC estimates that in America, up to 43 million people got sick during the 2018-2019 flu season. 43 million people got sick. So again, we want to keep this in perspective. Right now, globally, they're estimating 300,000 have been diagnosed. Are more infected? Most likely. But again, that's just in America, 43 million. 647,000 thousand people were hospitalized. Again, I want to read that. 647,000 Americans were hospitalized from the 2018 to 2019 flu season, and 61,200 Americans died in the flu season last year. 61,200. And so I share these numbers with you all to remind us that we don't need to panic. We do not need to panic. But we should be respectful and wise in how we continue to deal with the current situation, which raises the question, because some people have asked this question, why is the church responding the way it's responding by suspending its various services meetings for the next few weeks. Well, let's just go to the Word of God. We want to stay with the facts. So I encourage you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. So if you have a Bible, uh, crack it open. It's very important that you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, if you're viewing this and you do not have a Bible, you can go onto our website, send us an email, and we will gladly send you a Bible. It is so important that you have the Word of God on your laps. Very, very important. And so we're going to look at Romans chapter 13, and we're going to cover verses 1 through 9. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, 
For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Whether we like that or not, God has a bigger plan than you and I. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Now again, this is an ideal leadership. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have the praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. Now some of you might be sitting there thinking, are you kidding me? Do you know who's over us in America? Guys, when we read the scriptures, we want to remember Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit, by God himself to write these verses. And when did Paul write these verses? When Rome was ruling over Israel. It was not great times for the Israelites. But the Holy Spirit is still inspiring Paul to write facts of what we as believers need to do respectfully, as long as they're not asking us to do something unbiblical, that we respect those who are over us. For, in verse 6, For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore, to, render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due. And I just got an email yesterday saying that I owe another $1,800 in taxes. And so that's what we're going to do. We pay the taxes. The word of God says pay taxes. Custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor, owe no one anything except to love one another. So important. Let's read that again, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So by abiding by the government's mandates, we are actually expressing love to our government officials, and we're expressing love to one another. Well, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. If you're not familiar with your Bible, don't be ashamed or embarrassed. Get familiar with your Bible. Uh, Every Bible has a table of contents. You can go to that table of contents. It's usually in the very front. It lists the Old Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, the New Testament. Find Peter. It's back towards Revelation. 1 Peter 2, verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Again, Peter is being inspired by the Holy Spirit, by God himself, to write this when he is obeying the laws of the land put forth by Rome, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free 
yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice. In other words, we are free as Christians, but we shouldn't use that freedom to commit sin or to disobey an honest request from our government. But as bond servants of God. And that's what we are as believers. We are bond servants. We willingly serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus. And we willingly serve God via the power of the Holy Spirit. So we are slaves. We're slaves. And a bond servant is that slave that willingly and lovingly serves his master whom our master is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Get over it. I'm a slave. You're a slave if you are a believer in Christ. It's just the way it is. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God or reverence God. Honor the king. Again, notice that. Honor the king. That's to us today. Honor the president. And honor those who are in authority over us, giving us clear directions on what we should do. So as believers, it's quite obvious that we are called to listen and obey our leaders. Again, as long as they do not go against biblical standards. Doing what they deem is best at this time is not going against biblical standards. Nor is it targeting churches. So as believers, we should lead the way in being a good example for the believers as well as unbelievers. Our prayer is for wisdom, relief of this virus, and healing for those who have been affected by it. It's not over, but as I mentioned in the earlier stats, it's not out of control at this time. And we need to focus on the facts and not our feelings. And I would encourage us to live for the day as there are people out there trying to cause panic by exaggerating the estimates of how bad it's going to get. That's foolishness. No one knows but God because he is outside of our time realm and he has already seen the beginning to the end. No one knows. So don't get caught up in the emotions or anxieties of the numbers that the supposable experts are putting out there. Let's stay focused on the facts we have today and stay focused on Jesus because he has the believer covered. Lastly, let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Romans chapter 12, you have the Gospels, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, don't say you're going to do something and then don't do it. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. And so this is important even as we get together as believers. We want to honor one another. And if somebody doesn't want to fist bump or elbow or anything, we just need to lovingly respect that and honor that. For we don't know their story. We don't know their background. We don't know their health issues. And so we don't need to feel pressured as Christians to do something that someone else might want to do. But honor one another. That shows affection. Verse 11 
not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. And what is our hope as believers? We have a living hope. Our hope wasn't in going to Disneyland because we'd be sadly disappointed. Our hope is going to heaven. And we know that 10 out of 10 people still die. So nobody's getting out of here alive. So if you don't have a living hope, if you don't have Jesus as your Savior this morning, if you don't know if you would take your last breath right now that you would go to heaven, there is a living hope that I offer to you and that every Bible-believing Christian offers to you to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning, to acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, which is what Christians do. Not that we are sinless, but we are finding ourselves sinning less as believers. And so you need to acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Invite Jesus into your life, which I will pray at the end of this service. And you will become a son or a daughter of God. You will become a child of God. And then you will have a living hope. No matter what closes on this earth, you will have that living hope until you enter into eternity. So again, verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. And for us, this is what this is reality. We are in, so to speak, a tribulation period not the great tribulation not the final seven years no way not close to that at all but we are going through a trial or a tribulation and so we need to show that patience that love that the holy spirit gives to us to share with others continuing steadfastly in prayer verse 13 distributing to the needs of the saints notice that there distributing to the needs of the saints so Focusing on those in the church, if you're a saint, you're a believer in Jesus, given to hospitality. So that's interesting there. Right now we're encouraged to not gather in large groups, and, and we're not, but that's where we most often think of hospitality. But hospitality is a gift that can be given to one person or a couple or a whole family by taking them maybe a meal and that's what I'd like to talk about with these last few verses. We'd like to introduce a new ministry. It may be a very short-term ministry, but one that could be vital in these days we're living in. And I was talking to Gary this past week, and he brought up a really good idea. How about if members of the church help to shop for food and supplies for the elderly during this time of need? And maybe you would like to help organize something like that because we haven't figured that out. Matter of fact, we don't have many details at all. We don't know what it looks like at this point. Right now, the staff is looking at me wondering what I'm even talking about. <laughs> it's been a crazy week. But I know that they'll be on board with this. So if you would like to be a part of this new ministry, again, it might only be for a few weeks. It might be for months. We have no idea. Then please email us your information, and we'll keep you posted. And you can email office at ccofqc.org. Office at ccofqc.org. We'll have some meetings, and we'll get this off the ground. If you're an elderly person and you would like some help, please email our church, again, office at ccofqc.org, and we'll see what we can do to help out. 
And we'll finish it up with this verse, Galatians 6.10. And I encourage you to turn there. It's just one verse. We normally throw these one verses up on the screen, but we're not doing that this morning. So Galatians 6.10 tells us, Therefore, as we have opportunity... So again, we want to bless you, but if you don't share with us, then we can't bless you. So don't be embarrassed. Be humble. And we would love to minister you as much as we can, as much as physically possible. So Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. To all. Now in Romans, we, we, we read, distributing to the needs of the saints. And now here in Galatians, inspired by the Holy Spirit to Paul especially to those who are of the household of faith. So again, let us do good to all. So we want to minister to the unbeliever as well as the believer. So again, if you would like to be a part of this ministry, and you're a part of our fellowship, and you've been with us for a season, then just email the office, and we'll get back with you, and we'll start forming this team to see how the Lord would use us. Well, that was the study before the study. And uh, for those of you who have been with us at the fellowship, uh, you're used to that. So now we're going to get into the study. So if you'd like, turn your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 14. On Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Acts, verse by verse. Uh, Pastor Durrell is going through the book of Romans. And where is Durrell? Pastor Durrell, you're wrapping up uh, Romans 16 this week? Yes. So Wednesday night, we're going to do the exact same format. We'll be on... Facebook live streaming at 6.30 p.m. So we'll turn it on about 6.20, 6.25. Um, we're going to have music so that we can enter in with praise and thanksgiving. And then Pastor Durrell, who is one of our assistant pastors here, is going to wrap up the book of Romans chapter 16. And so we're excited about that. So put that on your calendars to tune in Wednesday night, 6.30. And we normally wrap it up about 5 to 8 or so. So that'll be this coming Wednesday night. Uh, Romans chapter 16. So this morning, we're going through Acts 14, and our verses this morning are verses 21 through 28. 21 through 28. So let's read over our text. And when they had preached the gospel in that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every city, or every church, I'm sorry. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, now, when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Etalia. From there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Father, we, we thank you for this morning. Again, we thank you uh, for modern technology. We would not have been able to do this 40, 50 years ago. So we thank you for this time that we're living in. We know you have a plan and a purpose behind all that's taking place. And according to your word, you say you work all things 
together for the good. And so, Lord, we thank you for that promise in your word. And I pray for the Holy Spirit to give me the gift of teaching. And for those who are listening, Lord, we pray for open hearts. Help uh, declutter our minds even right now. We lay any anxieties down at your throne. For we know that the scriptures say that if we pray, that you will give us the peace that surpasses understanding. You remove those anxieties via your Holy Spirit. So we thank you, Lord. Help us to focus on your word right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, again, we've been studying about Paul and Barnabas ministering on their first missionary journey. They've been chased out of several cities. And in our last study, Paul was physically stoned to death. He was literally killed. I mentioned the list of Paul's life of trials last week. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So again, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And let's take a look at that list and double check our attitudes in our current situation. You see, some of us are getting low on toilet paper. And it's just absolutely crazy what is taking place in our society. But it is psychological. And the psychology is that if I have enough supplies, especially toilet paper, I'll be secure. Really. The virus or the natural flu that comes through every year won't touch you because you have your canned goods and you have your toilet paper? That's not security. Those are physical things, but they make us mentally think that we are secure. No, we need the Word of God to know that we are secure in God. That we can't get out of God's hands. And we'll get into some scriptures that clearly show us that God has a plan and a purpose, and He knows what's going on. So let's clear our minds of these minor things, especially in America. They are really minor things. And read the list that Paul went through in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. Are they Hebrews? Are they Jews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Notice that. Are they servants of Christ? Are they slaves for Jesus' sake? I know I sound like a madman. And I am reading this out of the New Living Translation. Paul says, I know I sound like a madman. But I have served him far more. I have worked harder. Been put in prison more often. So now Paul is going to start explaining the trials and the tribulations that he as an apostle, he as a disciple, he as a believer has gone through. Been whipped times without number. And faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, which we read last week and mentioned this morning. Three times I was shipwrecked. So how's your week been? <laughs> how's your day going today? 
You had breakfast, you had a bathroom, you're sitting comfy, cozy in your chair or on your sofa. We are so blessed, guys, so blessed. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. And obviously they didn't have cars back then, buses, trains, planes. It was by foot or by donkey. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. Again, even today, there's only two groups of people on the face of the earth. If you have Jewish blood, then you are a Jew. If you do not have Jewish blood, you are a Gentile. Two groups of people. So as we read the scriptures, this is encompassing all of humanity. And God sent his son to die for all of humanity, not for one select group of people. John three sixteen. By 2020, it's estimated that we'll have 8 billion people on the face of the earth. And I just want to say this morning, you are special. And you are a part of that 8 billion people. And God sent his son to die for you. So receive Jesus this morning. It is not about religion. It is about relationship. It is about relationship. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men. And as he uses these words here, he's talking about physical death. Physical death, as he mentions in another epistle, that he was pressed beyond measure. In other words, he was very concerned that he was going to die because of some of these tribulations. Paul was a man like you and me. He had physical emotions. But he kept looking to God through all of these trials and tribulations. He kept pressing on. You see, God knew something about Paul. He was stubborn. And God knew that he was going to press on through all of these things. And so he chose Paul. Amazing. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. He faced dangers even from within the church. Those who said, oh, I'm a Christian, but Paul's a bad person. Don't listen to Paul. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I don't know, but I don't think that sounds like too many American Christians, that right there. I certainly haven't gone without food, maybe fasting on purpose, but we're so blessed, so spoiled. And so we don't have to be concerned about these things. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to panic. For I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. This is the Apostle Paul. So again, next time you feel a little inconvenienced about your lack of toilet paper, remember what Paul endured by the grace of God, by the grace of God, for the glory of God. Now let's look at Romans chapter 8. And you're probably saying right now, man, this guy jumps around the Bible a lot. Well, we want scriptures to speak to us. It's not so much what I say, because my words don't mean a whole lot, unless I can back them up with scriptures. And so here are the scriptures. Later in his life, 
what Paul what did Paul proclaim about these afflictions, about these trials, about these tribulations? What did Paul later proclaim towards the end of his life? Well, Romans chapter 8, 35 says this. Who shall separate us from the love of God? And I use the New King James, just so that you know, I'm using the New King James version of the Bible. I'll tell you otherwise. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? Now again, as Paul makes this, asks this question, He's not asking uh, from my perspective, who's had a very easy life. Paul is asking who we just read what he went through. He knows what it means to be persecuted, to go through trials and tribulations, to have not enough food or to have an abundance at times. So when Paul asks this question, he's not a guy that, well, what do you know, Paul? Paul knows. Paul knows. So again, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's the us there? Every Bible-believing Christian. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Peril there is the idea of danger, of eminent danger, of dying. As it is written, now Paul referencing back to the Old Testament, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And then Paul goes on to say, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. Look at your Bible. Look at those words right there. Paul says, for I am am persuaded. He doesn't say, well, I I think, well, maybe. I'm not sure where God is. I don't know how this is going to work out. No, 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 no. He has matured in his faith, in the faith, and he knows beyond any doubt that God works all things together for the good. And Paul starts to describe some of those all things in his life personally. As it is written, for your sake, we read that, verse 36 of verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. So again, ask yourself this question. Am I persuaded? Am I confident in the love of God? Am I confident that even if I have no food in the cupboard, that God's going to take care of me? Am I that confident? via the Holy Spirit, not self-confidence. This isn't a pep talk here. This is relying upon the Holy Spirit. Do I have so much of the Holy Spirit in me that I know beyond the shadow of the doubt that no matter what happens in my life, I'm persuaded. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, so the spiritual forces that are taking place even right now over our land and over this world. Satan, he is alive. He is real. But he is a fallen angel. Never equate Lucifer, the devil, Satan with God. At best, he is Michael or Gabriel. But he is a fallen angel. You see, we have God on our side. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within our lives. So we don't have to fear death. No, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in heaven. 
Again, if you don't have this confidence, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to give you a Bible. You need Jesus. Nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, so today. But Paul even looks into the future. Nor things to come. You see, Paul was not afraid of the future because he had the love of Christ residing in his life. He listed this. He knew what was taking place. He did not fear. He did not fear what could take place. Yes, he had emotions. And yes, he had those moments of anxiety and concern. But he allowed the Holy Spirit to work through those moments and bring him back to that foundation, that rock, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. In other words, anything that your mind could throw out there. Paul includes everything. Well, the Holy Spirit through Paul includes everything. So anything that your mind could imagine, it all falls under this. What shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Now I want to emphasize something there. He's, notice it says, Christ Jesus our Lord. First, we need to ask Jesus into our hearts. As sinners, we need to be saved. So we ask Jesus into our lives. He becomes our Savior. And then there's that word Lord, which means Master. And once I receive Jesus as my Savior, I become a slave, a servant of God's. And I love to serve God because I know He will never ask me to do anything that would cause me to sin or any of that nonsense. So I serve a loving master who will take care of me. What a blessing that is. So Paul again says, I'm going to read it again, verse 39, read along with me. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us. Who's the us there? Every Bible-believing Christian. Every Bible-believing Christian. From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So now let's look back in Acts chapter 14. Because Paul is at the beginning of his ministry. And towards the end of his life, we hear what he had experienced through the ministry. And, and how these experiences impacted his life. Whatever the enemy throws at me. I can hear Paul saying this. No matter what the enemy throws at me. God is still with me and will strengthen me. And I encourage you to, to get to that same place. Via the word of God, via the Holy Spirit, not positive thinking, not self-help nonsense, but via the word of God, through prayer, via the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will get you to that place. God is still with me and he will strengthen me. And it's still applicable now, almost 2,000 years later. What a great ex exhortation. So let's press on in our scriptures this morning. We've already read them, so let's just look at verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, notice this, after Paul was stoned, and we looked at that last week, he got up, brushed himself off, went back into the city. They then left that city and went to Derby, And now they're in Derby. and notice what took place through the preaching of the gospel. And the preaching of the gospel is the good news 
You're a sinner in need of a Savior. You can be saved. Ask Jesus into your life. So the gospel to that city and made many disciples. So again, as a disciple is one who follows Jesus. So to become a disciple, you receive Jesus, but then you get into the word of God from Genesis to Revelation to learn how to walk like a disciple, to learn how to behave like a disciple. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, which was their home base. So what can we draw from this? The persecution didn't stop them from preaching the gospel. They were used by God to win many to Christ here in Derby. And as far as we can tell, there was no bad reports given to us about this city or a situation in this city. So after a season in Derby, notice what Paul and Barnabas did. They returned to the very cities that they were chased out of. They went back. And they went to encourage the saints who were in those cities as we look at verse 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. So strengthening the inner being of every believer. Not just a few, but every believer. Exhorting them to continue in the faith. Now again, this is... These are men who have been chased from town to town, and now they're going back to these very same towns, and they're exhorting them to continue in the faith. Oh, you had some trials and tribulations? Oh, I guess God is not God. Yeah, you just leave the faith. No, not at all. There are going to be trials and tribulations. Remain in the faith. Stay focused. And notice in verse 22 what Paul says via the Holy Spirit. This would never fly today with America's health and wealth nonsense. The blab it and the grab it. Confess it, possess it. That's a bunch of Christian fiction. It's nonsense. Because Paul says, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Now, Paul is writing this before that whole list that we read in Corinthians. He is already teaching the disciples, you're going to go through trials and tribulations. You might even be stoned to death. Hang in there. Press on. Because I saw a man who was stoned to death, and his name was Stephen. And I personally believe that the Holy Spirit got Saul's life turned around, Saul and Paul, same man, through the death of Stephen. I believe that haunted him until he confessed his sin and repented and received Jesus as his Savior. So Paul knows what he's talking about, guys. So we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. You see, Paul didn't have the fastest donkey in town, nor the finest accommodations on the circuit, nor even the most recently invented waterproof tent. He had the Word of God. He had Jesus as a Savior, and he had the Holy Spirit dwelling within him. And it doesn't get any better than that. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, oh, here we go again. More scriptures. I tell you, what is going on? 2 Timothy chapter 3. You see, Paul writes 2 Timothy. It's his final written letter that we know of, that we have. 
And so this is now at the end of his life. He is soon to be martyred. He is soon to be executed in Rome. He's writing from a prison. And Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. The you here would be Timothy, a young pastor. And his doctrine would be what? We know it's the Old Testament. He went back to the Old Testament to show that Jesus was the Christ. But also he went back to the Old Testament to teach us how to live. It's all in the Old Testament. And we have it now written out for us as well in the New Testament to fulfill the prophecies. To fulfill many of the prophecies. Not all, but many of the prophecies. So, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. You see, Paul is commending Timothy and also encouraging him to press on. He lists persecutions in verse 11. Afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. So he's going back to the very beginning of his ministry. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. And notice this promise. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There are probably not too many plaques hanging up in the house with this verse on it. But believers, this verse is for you and me. We cannot lay this aside. And as the days get darker and darker, as Jesus promised they would, it would be as it was in the days of Noah. It would become as it was in the days of Lot before his return. It is going to happen. Let us not be surprised. But rather, let us take joy in those facts. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That is one of Satan's main tactics, deception. And he will use anyone to try to deceive you into believing that God is not sufficient. No, God is sufficient. In all of our trials and tribulations, God is sufficient. Verse 14, But you must continue in these things, which you have learned. Notice that, which you have learned. You see, guys, if we don't go through these things, we can't learn. We have to go through these things in order to learn. And been assured of, notice that, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. So again, it's not so much what man says, unless we're teaching the Word of God faithfully. It's what the Word of God says. Yes, we can listen to men and women, and, and we can learn to trust them if they always go back to the Word of God. Cross-referencing Old Testament, New Testament. Not just picking one scripture out of context, but cross-referencing. Yes, we can develop that trust. Obviously, Timothy trusted Paul. So we can develop that trust but we always want to go back to the Word of God. It's all about the Word of God. Make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, key verse. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God, mankind, man or woman, may be complete, mature, Word complete there is mature, 
thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice the word of God is what equips us to go out and do those good works. Well, look at James. Look at James chapter 1. Because James, the half-brother of our Lord, tells us in his letter to the Jewish believers that they were scattered abroad, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, again, verses that don't fly well in the health and wealth nonsense. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. (laughs) Yeah, right, James. Count it all joy. Yippee! No toilet paper. Yahoo! Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Again, guys, these are minor trials that we're going through in America. They are so minor compared to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are imprisoned right now in foreign lands, who are imprisoned and who are right now being tortured for their faith. They would love to have a lazy boy chair. But not if it meant denying Christ. They would rather be in prison acknowledging Jesus as their Savior than sitting in a lazy boy and denying Christ. Very important to realize and understand. God has a plan behind what we're going through. But let patience have its perfect work, or complete work, or mature work. That you may be perfect and complete, again, becoming mature, lacking nothing. You see, a person that doesn't go through trials, I want to make this clear and do it slow. A person that doesn't go through trials, but tries to go around them, I think is a spoiled Christian, not appreciating the depth of God's commitment towards them. You see, Paul appreciated the commitment of God's love towards him, and he thus wrote about it. He wouldn't have been able to write about it if he would have went around it or if he would have stopped serving the Lord. But instead, he wrote for you and I via the Holy Spirit, something that's so important. We have to go through these trials that we might mature and be more like Jesus, who himself went through his own trials on this earth. Verse 23, back in Acts. So when they had appointed elders in every church, so notice this, we see that churches are forming. Now, whether we want to call them home groups or not, we need to focus on this. He appointed elders. So I personally believe that, yes, the early church was made up of maybe smaller home groups, but there were also churches established. And here we see this very fact. You really cannot have elders in your home fellowship if it's just you and your wife. If you as a single person are in your home, you can't have an elder. So we want to look at this and realize we need to be a part of the church. Because over the last 10, 15, 20 years, there's been this movement of, well, we don't need church. I'll have church on my own. I'll go up to Payson and have church. I'll go up to Flagstaff. I'll go out on the lake <laughs> and have church on the, the lake. Yeah, right. No, you need to be in the church. We need one another. And you know, this is this is somewhat disheartening to be here this morning and looking around, and there's only maybe seven or eight of us in this room. I miss you guys, and I'm sure you miss being here. 
So this is an exhortation, not for you, because you all come on a regular basis, but an exhortation for those who don't come and think it's acceptable not to come. Uh, you can receive this as a rebuke, if you'd like to, because that's what it is. You need to be in church. We need you, and you need us. You are a member of the body of Christ, and you have gifts, spiritual gifts, that are a blessing to the body of Christ, as well as physical talents. So when this is all said and done, I encourage you, whatever country you're in right now, find a Bible-believing church, a church that loves Jesus, that loves the Word of God, and get plugged in. Become a part of the body of Christ. And so again, they appointed elders in verse 23 in every church and prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So in other words, Paul didn't remain there and be the only pastor in the area. They laid hands on the believers and said, you guys are now the pastors. You raise up the flock that you are overseeing. Still needs to take place today. Not focusing on one person but blessing, laying our hands on other believers and sending them out so that they could be used of God to preach the word of God. Verse 24, And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word, notice they kept preaching the word, in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From there they sailed to Antioch, which was their home base at this time, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Notice that at the end of verse 26. I want to emphasize this. They completed the work that God asked them to do. Not that man asked them to do. That God asked them to do. Big difference. Again, this is not about religion. This is about relationship. And if God is asking you to do something today, then do that via the Holy Spirit. If you can't do that, Pray that God would inspire someone else to do that. Because again, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So be attentive, not only asking, 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 but stopping and listening. God, what would you have me do today for someone, for an elderly couple, for a, a family, for a, a single mom, a single dad, for a homeless person? Whatever the case may be, asking God. And then go out and complete that work. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they're now back in Antioch, they reported all that God had done with them. Notice that. They didn't have a bragamony. They pointed to God. This is what God did. This is what God did. This is what God did. And that he opened. Who opened? God Open the door of faith to the Gentiles. Remember I mentioned that earlier? You see, the church, the early church, as the music team gets ready to come up with a closing song, the early church was made up of Jewish believers. They weren't going out to the Gentiles. But Jesus said, you're to go out to everyone. But they had a prejudice, the early church did. They didn't like the Gentiles. And God disciplined them and taught them, first of all through Peter and now through Paul, that the Gentiles are made in the image of God. 
and that they need to reach the Jew and the Gentile. Again, remember, only two groups of people on the face of the earth. So what is this telling us? That God is reaching out to every single person on the face of this earth. No matter what religion you belong to, God is reaching out to you via Jesus. He wants you to acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. That your good works will not get you into heaven because they won't. You have to be perfect to get into heaven. And you're not. None of us are. None of us ever will be. So receive this in love. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And after the team sings a song, I'm going to come back in here. And we're going to pray a prayer of salvation. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, you start praying right now. God sees your heart. God knows your heart. If you're sincere, wherever you are, you could be listening in Egypt right now. You could be in Israel. You could be anywhere listening to this. If you are sincere in your heart and you acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, God will receive you. And verse 28, so they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So we're going to drop the slide, uh, the background. And we're going to turn the projector back on. And again, this isn't Hollywood. It's okay. We're flexible. You guys are flexible. We're going to sing a closing song. And then I'm going to come back up and we're going to offer a prayer of salvation. And so again, if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, don't leave. Stick around. Sing the song. Enjoy the song. And then I'll come back up. And we'll have a prayer for salvation. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'll see you in just a few minutes. Came the morning, then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your very body began to breathe out of the side. every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope and guys that's what it's all about so if you'd like to receive jesus this morning as your savior 
Uh, just pray this simple prayer. It's not about the prayer, it's about your heart. Just pray this simple prayer with me. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I accept the repentance you are granting me. You are giving me knowledge to understand that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And so I invite Jesus into my life to be my Savior. I invite your Holy Spirit into my life. I'm not sure what that all means. But I trust you're going to show me as I read your word, as I get into fellowship with other Bible-believing Christians, as I find a good, solid Bible-believing church, I will learn what that all means. That you are my Savior, and I desire to become my Lord. God, I thank you that I can now call you Father, my Father, and that I am now your son, I am now your daughter. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome to the family of God. Uh, For the church family, again, the church office is open, so feel free to come down and seek prayer or fellowship, uh, email office at ccfqc.org. If you'd like to be a part of this new ministry, who knows how long it will last. But if you'd like to serve, maybe package boxes or go and uh, purchase items or maybe go and deliver the items, whatever the case may be. Um, And if you're an elderly uh, person uh, in our church body, please email us. We want to serve you to the best of our abilities. Guys, have a blessed rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.